Well, a good morning to you and a very special welcome to you, especially if you're viewing for the first time, you're just touching base with us here at St John's Virtual Church. Um, it's a special day for us in the church. It's Pentecost, which uh, so many of us uh, consider to be the birth of the church. It's when God came to live amongst his people, empower them and uh, send them out to do things. So I want to look at that uh, today. Why is, import why is Pentecost important? Um, in a moment, George is going to read a little passage from the book of Acts about the, the Pentecost festival and about those events. Uh, but first, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, I want to say thank you to everyone who's um, delivering food boxes and prescriptions and uh, daily updates to people who can't get out or are unable to uh, leave the house very often. Uh, and I do appreciate that because I think I get a lot of emails saying, uh, thank you very much uh, and so it's really important that you, you appreciate that you, you're getting uh, support as well and it's important for the wider church as well to know it's going on uh, and it's something that uh, people are experiencing God's love in action so I think thank you very much for that you also you should also have seen some details about Thy Kingdom Come the church's initiative about uh, bringing uh, prayer to uh, the kingdom or asking God's kingdom to come uh, to us and especially at this time of need I think that's a really important thing uh, to connect with so if you're doing that that's great and also don't forget tonight is uh, I Wonder uh, Martin will be getting us nearly to the end of Isaiah uh, with an online Bible study over Zoom and the code for that's in the update and on Wednesday again uh, time to gather together um, uh, together as a sort of online coffee together so over to George, uh, and then I'll touch base with you after that. Today's reading is Acts 2, 1-13. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language, utterly amazed. They asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I wonder what Pentecost means to you. It's a really uh, significant time in the church, uh, and, if, and you could debate when the church really began. But the important thing about Pentecost is we, we recognise uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit 
to ordinary believers, ordinary people like you and like me who, who have not yet experienced anything like this. Uh, it's an important thing. Uh, it's a significant event. Uh, you can see it sort of really took uh, the, the people around them by, by surprise. Uh, suddenly, uh, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came to the disciples. Uh, and that's a really important thing. Even Greek and Roman worshippers would have recognised that God was at work. It's quite important to hold on to that little thought. I, I'll, I'll try and hold on to that thought because it's, it's, it's significant, I think. Um, but there they were, gathered together, and the sound of the blow, like the blowing of a violent wind, comes to the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and then came to rest upon them. What on earth is going on? If that happened in your household today, if something like that happened, what would we make of it? If we saw that, what would we do? It's quite an interesting question, actually, isn't it? Because in many ways, our lives are kind of a bit predictable at the moment. So are we actually becoming a bit dulled to the idea of God doing something? That's it. It's really important to hold on to that. But I think there are two things that are really uh, significant here, really key things. And the first thing is that God has come for them. God has come for them. He, he's, he's, Jesus has told them to wait until the coming of the Spirit. That effectively, he says, you're going to be clothed with power from on high. What a great promise to be able to have. But Jesus has wait, told them to wait, and they're waiting for him. And then this Holy Spirit comes and acts in their lives. It, it's God doing stuff in their lives by the power of his Holy Spirit. We hold to a Trinitarian theology. Neely, didn't be able, Neely wasn't able to say that. But we hold to a, a theology which says that God is Father, Son and Spirit and all three can interact and we can interact with all three. Uh, and I think that's a really exciting thing. So what we see is this expectation. And, and the disciples may have remembered in, in, in the book of Isaiah in, in chapter 32, this expectation that the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon them. Or in Joel, again, which in fact Peter quotes later on when he tries to explain what's happened uh, or but more recently as well for the newer testament readers yeah for the new testament reader we see john the baptist reminding people that he would that there was one who was coming who would baptize them in the holy spirit that there would be a work of god for his people and that's what's going on isn't it these tongues of fire are important there's there's, there's two things parts to it really the tongue is what god is a equipping them to, to do, that's symbolic of the languages that they're about to speak. We'll come to that. But the fire is about the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit, and I think that's really helpful. When the Holy Spirit takes up residence, when he comes to dwell amongst us, when he lives in us, two things are going on, right? It's, it's, it's a seal. It's God saying, I am living in you and I've made you mine. Okay, I have saved you. And the second thing is that cleansing work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, which is ongoing work in us uh, as he deals with us, transforms us, deals with the sorts of things that come up all the time that we, that we gradually find he uh, uh, washes away. Uh, and that's a wonderful thing. So it's a, the, these tongues of fire are kind of this outward sign, but the work is inside. The work is going on inside as well, transforming and equipping God's people, all of us, all of us if we want to be. Uh, for his work and that's an enormous privilege uh, of, of following Jesus Christ is that he brings us into communion uh, with the with God Father Son and Holy Spirit and I think that's really important 
And it's encouraging too that, that the passage says that the believers were filled. God isn't stinting with this. God, God will keep on our giving as much as we ask for. He, if you need something to help you through, if you, want to, if you want to power through something, if you're struggling with something, if you want, then here he is to say, I will give you what you need. That's important. So God is for them. Lots of different things it symbolises, lots of different things it shows. But he has taken up residence in his people. And he can only do that because they believe they've been saved by the work of Jesus Christ. So that's really important. But the second thing is that God is for other people. And what's fascinating about this story is there's this crowd that hear this commotion, this cacophony of, of languages being spoken. It's interesting that the, the disciples aren't speaking in Aramaic and Greek, which were like the common, the native tongue for everybody. They're actually speaking in these, these languages. Each person can hear uh, from the their, their vernacular, the language of the country they've just come from. They're visiting, this is an important festival, and, and here they've come and they've done that. And they, and they are utterly amazed by this. They're partly amazed by the fact that it's, um, it, it, they're hearing their own language. But they're mostly amazed because it's northerners, Galileans, less well-educated, who've, who've been able to do this. I remember years ago, uh, we were on holiday in some far-flung part of Ontario, really quiet lake, really hot day, baking. It was, one, it was one of those years where they had a sort of heat wave in the 40s. And we just found a quiet lake and we just went to sort of get in the water. And there's just like one other family. And um, there was this lad hesitating to go in to meet, to be with his brother. And this voice came across the sort of the, the lake and echoed around the forest. Come in, Don, the water's lovely. And, and it just caught our attention. It, it, it drew us to them. I'm sorry for all, anybody whose accent was offended by that. Um, but it just caught your attention. But the, the goal of it was for him to come in, invite them in to, to, to something that was refreshing and helpful and, and was going to be good for them. Well, that's what's going on here. The disciples, these northerners, are, are, are sort of declaring these wonders and works of God to a, to a perhaps a bit more respectable. You know, the, the sort of the better educated, the, the slightly better off, the more comfortable, the more sort of established people in, in the Jewish community. And they hear it. And, and that must have been quite difficult sometimes. Sometimes we don't always uh, find ourselves speaking to people that is, are, are easy to speak to or, or we think will believe or, or we think it's going to go somewhere. But some of them did. And that's the thing, isn't it? God equips people to go out so that other people can find out. And that's what we're about. And that's what the church is about and Peter if you follow the rest of this chapter you'll see that Peter addresses this crowd and explains to them what's important what's happened this this is a sign of the work of God and, and if you want to know more then please uh, come and find out more and we read that many people did that's the invitation isn't it that we're to the Holy Spirit empowers us and compels us to go and invite other people to find out more but I wonder, I wonder, you know, this is, these are challenging times. And I just want to spend a little bit of time. Perhaps you want to just be still for a moment. Perhaps you just want to find some time to do this later. Maybe find a time to, some time to do this later. But just be still. Just rest. Close your eyes. Find a comfortable seat. And, and, and rest in that. And ask ourselves, you know, there's so much going on. Sometimes we, uh, we, we are 
distracted and, and drawn away by the amount of work we have to do and our, our faces are kind of lit up by the screens that we're sort of tied to for work. And sometimes our, we're, we're sort of drawn towards the, the light of the, the screens that we're staying in touch with our loved ones through and that's important too and sometimes we're just on a screen because we're bored. But there's a deeper, richer, better light. The tongues of fire were the sign of that light living in people who had found God. And so maybe today, spend five minutes asking God to be with you, to help you, to talk to him and, and help him speak to you as well. Find time for him to minister to you, to, he, to be your God and for you to be his child. So do that today because working with God or walking with God or living with God is about a sense of anticipation. Disciples were there waiting and do we wait for God to do something anymore? So do that today and bless you um, in your ministry to one another, to your neighbours, the street. Tell them what we're doing. Tell others that God is for them. But do so from a place where you know that God is with you. Amen. Firstly, I invite you to bow your heads and join with me in saying together the prayer Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God of compassion, at this time of global crisis, we thank you for your mercy and grace, for the many blessings you bestow on each of us daily, the glorious weather, food and shelter, family and friends. We thank you for the message to our nation to slow down, care for our planet and each other, and reassess what is important to you. Father, we pray for the Christian church across a world which is in chaos. Sustain leaders of countries where this pandemic is at its worst. We lift to you those who are still being persecuted for their faith, as well as being at risk of this virus. Give them courage when they are threatened, hope when they are despairing. We pray for Archbishop Justin, for Bishop Martin, for Matt and our lay readers as they put together live streamings. May they feel hugely encouraged that thousands of people who would not normally go to a church service are watching and searching through these services to your glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, bring your peace and hope to all who are fearful and vulnerable. We pray for the homeless, for refugees and those still fleeing their own countries. We pray for those who have been isolated and lonely in their own homes and are now frightened to venture out despite the easing of restrictions. For those who have lost a loved one through COVID-19 or because they have simply given up on life. Give respite and shield those who are keeping essential services going. Those still working on the front line in the NHS care homes, hospices and social care, bus drivers, 
those making deliveries, those working in shops. We pray for people whose livelihoods hang in the balance and who are worried about their jobs and about money. We pray for those living with domestic violence. We pray for those close to death and those who watch over them. Shine your light on those living in darkness. Grant us all patience, Lord, as we wait on you at this challenging time. Hold us in your stillness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we pray for our government, for our Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who you have anointed to lead our nation at this time, that you would correct, guide and encourage him as snap decisions are made almost daily. Give all those in power wisdom, humility and integrity, remembering that they are public servants. Temper the tongues of those quick to criticise. We pray especially for sound plans to be made for the children to return to school so that maximum safety can be achieved. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Dear Lord, we give thanks for our wonderful Queen who continues to serve us all by example and by her recent messages. Protect her and all the royal family who are suffering as so many of us are because of lack of hands-on physical contact with loved ones. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we pray for each other, for those who are watching on their own and are still part of a church family. As all the believers were together at Pentecost and had everything in common, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit on your people for a spirit of repentance and renewal. Only you know when this pandemic will be defeated. No one else does. Give us courage to be joyful, keep the faith, do the little things. Lord, bring us swiftly to a point where we can gather together in small groups or fellowship and worship as the disciples did in the certain knowledge that you do not mean us to be separate, but that Satan does. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Dear Jesus, as you intercede for us today, breathe on each one of us your holy breath, that we also may go forth into the world to share your peace and the power of forgiveness. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. I was uh, minded to use the uh, words that we've been studying in Timothy for um, our time together. If you're sharing the uh, bread and wine at home with one another, then that's really a comforting thing to do. It, it reminds us of God's work in us and how how we're able to ask God to be with us because of the work of Jesus Christ, his son for us. And it's important, so I have bread and I have wine today. I've brought those along, and bread and wine to share, to remind us. But if we think about this trustworthy saying that Paul gave to Timothy, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, 
he will remain faithful, for he won't disown himself. We can come to God and share our faith together by remembering that Jesus gave his body, his life for us, and encourages us to, to feed on him. And so we feed on him in faith. But we also remember Jesus died. When he died, his blood was shed for us, and that's the atoning, that's the, the price of sin. But he's paid that for us. So Jesus' blood was shed for us, that we might be people in whom God could live. And so we can share by remembering that Jesus shed his blood for us. So grace and peace and the love of God be with you. Amen.